Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
like recently as last year, he was the art director for a really big TV series. So he's got, he's used this as a springboard. So what do you want? Some Halloween balloons or a hot night with me? The balloons will last longer. So basically the film is about a group of gay friends. They're all roommates apparently, even though we never see them in the same house. Um, and you know, they're all quite archetypal, but likable, I think. I think they do, there is a good chemistry between the friends. I disagree with likable, but we'll continue. All right, well, in terms of slasher movie victims, I didn't want them all to die, okay? So we got Eddie, who's like the lead. I wanted them all to die, but continue. What about Eddie? Okay, he was hot. So Eddie's the lead. He is, uh, he is mildly attractive. I don't find him very attractive at all. Well, look, I'm glad we don't have to fight over men. That's good. <laughs> so Eddie went on to be in... The actor who played Eddie went on to be in that soap opera Passions for, like, several years. And then never, ever found consistent work again. So maybe yeah. he was just a pretty face. I don't know. But anyway, so Eddie is a receptionist at a police station. His dream was to be a policeman, but um, it didn't work out because his eye got injured, which becomes a major plot point. Yes. Um, then he has his, his besties... Um, Chaz, who's this bisexual, smooth-talking guy. Joey, who's meant to be ugly, but he's actually quite cute. Um, but he's, like, the socially awkward one. And then Toby, who's, like, really outspoken and, um, you know, he's just, like, he's sassy and owns himself. And then Jake, the bad boy, mm. who's, his, who's Eddie's love interest. And we know Jake is a bad boy because <laughs> he smokes cigarettes, has a tattoo, and rides a motorcycle. Yes, his introduction is literally Eddie is giving out some missing people, missing person um, flyers in the street. He sees Jake standing outside a tattoo parlor, smoking a cigarette shirtless. When he walks into the parlor, um, Jake is erotically bleeding um, because he's getting a new tattoo and the, like, the tattooist like, almost seductively kind of like cleans the wounds. That's how we know we're in for this like kind of... Somewhat erotic, very gay slasher film. This is the film. saddest gay fantasy I have ever seen on screen. I mean, I can't say it was my gay this fantasy. Is, this is the, such the biggest, like, the boy that beat me up in school, I want him to be in love with me type fucking bullshit. So you guys are uh, close to catching him then? That keeps it lively. I wouldn't worry about it. The cigarettes will kill you first. Counting on it. So, before we get into the plot, though, uh, clearly, if you had to rate this film, I'm really interested to know, if you had to rate this film, what would you rate it out of 10? I give it three handcuffs out of five. You've switched my ratings! <laughs> I just kind of feel like, yes, it doesn't bring anything You're new You're sticking to, to handcuffs because we did the Gacy episode recently. Also, I'm, I'm your slave, so I've got to, you know, this is, this is my role and I'm playing it. I don't want to be punished. Um, so... I just think it was, like, fun. There's obviously nothing. It's not a cerebral film. There's not a whole lot going on here. It basically is just a gener generic, like, buy the number slasher film that everyone's gay. Yeah. I think what I found about this film is... So, everything... So, even the filmmaking itself is, like, very polished and digital. Um, all the main characters are these, like white, you know, Ken doll. Excuse me, Chaz was clearly Latino. Was he? <laughs> he was tan. Have we got <laughs> He was slightly tan. There are um, these Ken dolls that are, you know, dancing on screen. And then we'll go through the plot in a second, but, like, there are various parts of the characters and how the plot comes out that just 
made me cringe. And I am not someone who's like worried about like the political ramifications of a film. I don't approach things this way. But there are things where I was like, ooh, that's a bit that's a bit off in this film. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is odd that this film was written and directed by someone who was presumably a gay man. Seeing mm. as this was his like sort of passion project, I think. It may have been the only feature film he directed, but after this film, which is actually, it's interesting, because this film does, for its budget, it's quite, like, crisp-looking, the lighting is good. Because the director, Paul Efferidge, did go on to become an art director, he obviously has an eye for kind of, um, you know, like, what look, looks good on screen in terms of, like, lighting and colour palette and stuff like that. And you can definitely see that expertise in a lot of the shots. It's, like, it's lit quite well. It's shot adequately, it's, but, like... It's lit... In my mind, as, as someone who knows nothing about film, as opposed to you, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the way that it's lit reminded me of, like, a TV... It's definitely... It's filmed like a TV show. Yeah, well, the cinematography is very TV movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but I thought the production design in some parts of the film did obviously... You could see the director had an eye for, like, what looked good cinematically in some... Area, so I'm not that surprised to see that that's the area he kind of ended up in. I think Cruising, which is a film we've covered on Sinisterses before, where there were LGBT groups protesting outside the the screening of Cruising. I think Cruising is a far better gay film. I'm actually going to admit right here now that I love Cruising. Cruising, no, I, I spent the entire of our review of Cruising talking about the fact that Cruising is one of the most amazing films ever, uh, and I feel like in terms of gay representation. It's a much better film than Hellbent. Well, Hellbent is kind of like if there are a group of gays, but okay. Well, I mean, they're from West Hollywood, so I mean, that kind of says it all. It's like a group of really cliche West I think, Hollywood. I think these people exist. Like pretty boy gays, um, but there isn't there isn't that much. You know, they're not the they're not the um, they're not the deepest humans on this planet. Um, but I did enjoy. I felt like the friendships in the film do feel real, so I did like that part of the movie. Like that's you know. Did we see a different film? But I do under, I do respect that you have an issue with like the weird like super masculine slash. It, it it felt like it wasn't written by a gay man, but we're going to assume that Paul is gay. No, I I actually think it it feels like it was written by a like gay maybe man. Maybe like a fantasy. This is classic gay porn characterization and plotting. <laughs> this entire film are little fantastical archetypes. Of like a sad forty-something gay man. It's interesting that you say that because that's actually what the one of the main characters, Chaz, um, speculates that the killer is. What makes people kill like that? Probably some forty-year-old gay guy that just came out of the closet. He's probably jealous of all the nice hot guys like us walking around. Shit. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't you want to kill us? <laughs> um, so the plot is. These two gay guys meet at a cruising park, and one of them is giving the other one a blowjob. Is it necessarily a cruising park? I thought it was meant to be like a romantic... Well, one of the police officers in the film refers to it as a cruising park. Oh, okay. And yeah. she's meant to be like a progressive, like, cool, like, police officer. So I'm going to roll with that it was a cruising park. Yeah. Um, and there's great dialogue, like, what do you want to see? These Halloween balloons or a hot night with me? Because mm. one of them, for some reason, has Halloween balloons in the car when they're hooking up. Never explained. And then um, the guy's like, the balloons last longer. Anyway, there's some great dialogue. Just, <laughs> you have to see it to believe it, really. That, that couple are murdered, decapitated yeah. by this mysterious One guy, it's the, the balloons in the car are too much for them to like start fucking. And so the, one of the guys comes up with the genius idea of like sticking his head out the 
window when he gets fucked and uh the killer comes in and chops off that guy's head and then i can't remember what happens to the other guy he just gets uh, it's, it's an off-screen murder yeah obviously the budget was wearing thin but we hear that he was murdered underneath the car so these are our opening kills and i will say that this scene in playing playing you know homage 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 playing homage to the slasher you know cliches i thought that the opening was well done yeah, I agree. I feel I feel like it, it definitely felt like I was watching, like, you know, Slash of Open 1981, just with two gay men. Mm. Wow. Oh, shit. Holy shit. You really are ticklish. Well, if you like that, you're going to love this. Can we start off by the introduction of our main character? Okay, so... <laughs> no, because this it starts off with our introduction of the main character that he's printing out mug yeah. shots of attractive criminals? Yeah. Is that what's yeah, happening? Yeah, that is what is happening. I wrote this down too. So basically, our introduction to Eddie, who's meant to be the good kind of vanilla boy next yeah. door, he's the receptionist at a um, police precinct, as we've discussed. And yeah, the op- his character introduction is him printing off pictures of hot perps and his sister, who's a police officer, busting him. And it's meant to make him somehow endearing, but how is that not creepy? Well, because doesn't she make a comment like, is this for you to interrogate them later? She's like, is this for you to go to the bathroom later? It's just... That's I've seen this movie a few weird. times. Yeah. It's just... That's it, a weird stuff. It's start. very odd. I mean, let's like flip the switch here. If he was printing pictures of women who were, who had mug shots, yeah. that would be like, you... You demon! You, it so, was you know, fucked up. It was, it was a little up. strange that this was meant to endear us to him. It wouldn't have been that weird if it was meant to be like a quirk or like something to make him a little bit morally questionable, but this is meant to make us think that like... He's meant to be the little like... He's like so weird. Innocent and, like, all-American boy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then people frequently mention during the film that he's like quite like a chaste sort of guy and he doesn't usually do anything wild, but yet he's like a massive pervert. The police chief asks him to hand out flyers about this like local murder and to contact police. Um, and then he asks, can I wear my dad's police uniform? Um, meanwhile, his, poli- his father was obviously a 14-year-old boy because the police uniform is tiny. It's very tight. It's definitely <laughs> very form-fitting. Um, and so, you know, once again, um, some daddy issues present here. But that never really comes into play again. But yeah. yes, he's wearing that police outfit for the rest of the film. The wardrobe budget was obviously small. Um, and it takes place on one night, I guess, so it makes sense. Um, so yeah, then basically um, he meets the guy that we already talked about, Jake, his love interest. And in an attempt to kind of like interest and lure Jake in. he get, Bad he, boy Jake. Yes, he decides to tell Jake some really confidential information about the murders. Well, I hope you uh, catch your man, officer. And then to further the inappropriate and unprofessional behaviour, he takes his three best friends to the scene of the crime. And they all decide to, um, you know, like examine and dissect the crime scene and theorise about who the murderer was. And so these three friends, we introduced them earlier. We have the bisexual one who's betrayed as just being like a huge slut. 
basically the opening scene with the bisexual character <laughs> is him in a van. Okay, I, I love that scene though, when the girl brings <laughs> her head out and she's like, I swear I'm 18, officer. Yeah, which <laughs> also red flag. And she was probably like 30 anyway, so it's... Acast and Befaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 
Um, so, you know, you kind of... That's what I do feel like, for the most part, like, with the exception of one character, I feel like the characters for a slasher film do have, like, okay character arcs. Like, I do feel I like... You're say depth for a second there, and I'm just going to be like, what? Well, I, you know, I do kind of feel like... But I feel like they do feel... I know that the characters aren't particularly deep. I do believe they come across as four people that would be friends. Look... And so I, I enjoyed that element of it. They, they come across as people that I have seen at gay bars... And people that I hate. <laughs> well, likewise. But, you know, yes. I still, I could, like, I believe that they would be friends. You know how sometimes you watch films where you're like, why the hell would, like, this these, like, seven diverse people all be best friends? Like, mm. there's no way that all these people have, like, a commonality that's going to bring them together. The friendship group in Scream is a great example of that. Yeah. It's because like, there's, like, the weird video store guy, the popular chick, the quiet, chaste girl, and, the, like, those people would not all hang out together. Look, I, I can't imagine, unless, like... I can imagine, like, Sydney and Tatum being, like, childhood friends that became, like, yes. high school best friends just by default. But, like, yeah. Definitely weren't on the same wavelength. Tatum mm. was way cooler than Sydney, just saying. I enjoyed the first 40 minutes of the film actually more than the slashing component because I felt like the friendships did feel, like, authentic. And I was like, oh, I want, like, to see, like, these good things happen to some of these people and stuff. But then once the killing happens, it kind of just becomes very by the numbers, which is fine. Mm. It's not a film I was expecting to... Um, tickle my pickle in like a whole like new way. Tickle, tickle. tickle my pickle. That's right. Uh, I'm the opposite to you. I could not wait to see them get murdered. Well, tickle your sickle because the killer uses a sickle. Ah, yeah, there you go. Clever. So yeah, I mean, the killer's MO seems to be decapitation. Yeah. Um, he decapitates everybody. The first kill is the uh, the leather boy, the nervous level leather boy who was after the jock. He's killed first. Um, the next kill is the hot bisexual guy as he's dancing, and it's a bit of a generic kill. I don't know if we see much of that, do we? Um, on the topic of the first kill, actually, that's speaking of like the like kind of like gender roles in this film. The only time we see any like femme presenting um, gay men is those two guys that walk in to the toilet and find the first body, mm. and they're like they walk past the killer, and one of them's like, "Mmm, nice abs," or something like that, and then they're like oh my god honey blah 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 they go on the tour and they're like ah! yeah and i felt like that was kind of a homage to like that scene in scream speaking of scream where there's those two like cheerleader girls who start bitching about sydney when sydney's yeah, in yeah, the toilet a ridiculous scene to rewatch. Yeah. by the way there are so many scenes in scream where it's like are you going for comedy what is this look i'm, I'm gonna say yes but yeah that, that's the only time in the film that people who are like um, in the gay community and like femme present- presenting any yeah, they're presented, a joke. yeah in any yeah. way and they are like kind of like a joke so I'm curious as to if the filmmaker was trying to educate people that like not every gay person I don't think this I I know exactly the kind of guy that would make a film like this well look so- I'm not saying I'm not on his side or on any particular side of the fence here I'm just trying to speculate because it actually is kind of odd mm-hmm. you have a character that is like a dra- is like wearing drag for Halloween and proclaims he spent $300 to look like the perfect drag queen, yet is like, I'm in drag. Yeah, yeah. that's what he I'm says. A man. I'm a man. This is so, why doesn't anyone see me for who I am? And yeah, you got to get to that scene yeah. later. Yeah. Interesting to me that the only like femme presenting like homosexual men in this film are just used for comic relief and like nothing else. Mm. So it's just, yeah, I wonder what point, if any, was trying to be made, you know? Or it could have also been a mark, like you never know with getting funding for a film like this, um, there may have been pressures from like producers or funding sources. We don't know. We can't. I I don't I don't believe in any of those excuses. I think it is a again 
sad gay male fantasy where he wants the buff, hot white boys to be the stars. Well, he, look, he, he got his wish. Yeah, and so he cast it that way, and that was his fantasy. I feel like, you know, any any idea that this film was trying to be, like, political... Yeah. Like, to me, I would be very surprised if it was trying to do that. So the next kill after, like, the socially awkward guy is, like, the bisexual, like, party boast. Popped a couple of pills, he's, like, dancing in, like, this kind of, like, really stroby dance floor, and the killer starts, like, swiping in with a scythe. Yeah. And no one can tell because, like, the lights are strobing and stuff. I thought it was actually a pretty cool sequence. Anyway, after that, which, you know, just ends in, like, him being decapitated on the dance floor and nothing really comes from that. Then, yeah. then we have the third murder, which is of the drag queen character. Mm. And it's interesting because... The weird thing about this is that the killer doesn't seem initially interested because are we meant to be thinking that the killer perceives him as some sort of woman? No, I think that... See, that's the thing. I think the film might have been trying to make a point that the killer was targeting, like, the superficial aspects of, like, the gay community because the killer's not interested in killing the drag queen character until the drag queen character admits to finding the killer hot. And tears their wig off and yeah. show and shows, it shows that, his driver's shows license. his driver's license and muscles. It's like, like you couldn't tell. So, but yeah, but basically, once he identifies that he's this like textbook sort of like hot like West Hollywood gay guy, then the killer wants to kill him. So there's like so there's something going on there where the killer doesn't want to kill people on the fringes, but once. So you could also argue that the director's kind of fighting against that um, that kind of superficial West Hollywood or in Victoria South Yarra gay kind of like stereotype. But I don't know. We're currently recording in South Yarra. Uh, True. <laughs> um, I don't live here. Uh, so I, again, I don't think that's right. I think that he picked and cast this film and, and wrote the characters as objects of sexual desire. I definitely as, agree with that. I do. As all slasher films have with all the hot women that get killed. Um, and I think we're meant to be like... The, the, the the killer's only interested in men and he was confused and yeah. it was really poorly done hey i like your costume you work out right i can tell you play any sports what gym do you go to well you've got enough candy already you couldn't use a little more? I don't always look like this, you know. You superficial faggot. It's Halloween, Jesus. God, here, look. My driver's license. The main character and the bad boy then head back to main character's place. After the main character is attacked by the killer, but the bad boy saves him. Mm-hmm. Um, once they're back, they start getting it on. Wait, we, we haven't mentioned the glass eye bit, which is like the film's like memorable moment. Okay, okay so um, basically after the drag queen character is killed, and the main character is attacked um, and pursued by the killer, and the bad boy saves him, not before the killer tries to... 
I don't know what's the term. Sickle ish. He has a sickle and he tries he tries to remove the main character's eye, but it turns out the main character has a glass eye because he lost his eye in an accident and that's why he could never become a police officer because you need both eyes to be Absolutely working, apparently. He can't shoot straight. He can't shoot, that's right. We established before that he like he likes guns, but he's never been able to use one well. Um, Everyone likes guns. Guns are amazing. Mm. <laughs> um, so, so then, yeah, that happens. They go back and they're about to have like a heated um, sex scene where there is a little bit of a... Um, a little bit of an after-school special moment where there's a bit of a condom PSA. Yeah. So, like, the bad boy is in the bathroom, like, trying to find condoms. And he's like, and speaking of handcuffs, which has been an ongoing theme in the last episode, in this episode, he handcuffs the main character who has his police fantasy um, to the bed. So then while the bad boy Jake is looking for the condoms, he says something like, condoms suck, but they keep you safe. Yeah. It's like, okay, good. thanks good. thanks for that. Yeah. Um, condoms are cool. And then, yeah, then the killer appears again and stabs him many times. Mm-hmm. But I get a bit of a showdown. Where, as you might guess, the main character who has always wanted to be good at shooting guns but can't because of his vision, finally has to confront that and use to, the to gun. To protect his man. obviously shoots the killer because that's his um like Heroic. his full circle moment um oh, this is also ps so fixes glass eye he's not this, gonna get into this, this is after the killer uses his tongue to remove his glass eye to which she just has an empty eye socket which one of my friends is glass eye there is not just like a realm of nothingness behind yeah. but anyway um so yeah he uses his gun to shoot the killer but he's obviously not that good of a shot because the killer survives um and then yeah like the climax ends and then the, like we find out the killer hasn't actually died and the main character like peers like into the ambulance where he's getting loaded up. And then the killer like opens his eye and sticks his tongue out and he's still got the glass eye in his mouth. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's there's not yeah, there's not a whole lot of subtext in this film. It seems like the film's aim was just to be like the gay answer to a slasher film and to titillate gay audiences. Mm. There was some kind of deal with Logo TV, which I don't know if it still exists, but in the noughties it was quite a popular um, gay-oriented, gay-man-oriented um, cable channel. I feel like there used to be more money around for that sort of shit. Well, there would have been, because it would have been a more niche market you couldn't access elsewhere. But now, like, there's gays on all the mainstream things, and yeah. now we've just kind of dispersed it out. We've came too normalised. Yeah, I think it's, it's all queer as folks' fault. Yeah. They started it, and it just kept on, kept on stemming uh, out. Don't get me started on queer as folk as a separate rant, but... I won't. <laughs> Look, when we run out of horror films to talk about, we can talk about some of the more um, horrifically written episodes of Queer as Folk. Yeah. How about that? Even though I'm a, I'm a fan of Queer as Folk, whatever. Um, it helped me... Queer as Folk is what made me realise I liked men, so... Well, okay, I knew, but it made me, like, confront that I liked men. Why are we talking about Queer as Folk? This is, I don't know. Let's but, cut yeah, this. Yeah, I'm having a confessional <laughs> moment. Do I all of this <laughs> My tears. I... Sorry. Let me list... The things that were lacking in this film. I feel like there's a lot. Um, I, I've been watching Jared's face for the last 20 minutes and it doesn't look happy. I, okay. One, hot sex. Where was the hot sex? Excuse, there was that one steamy shirtless makeout session 
Not enough. Not enough. Not enough in 2020. Look, I'm, I'm, ma- I'm making fun, by the way. I, I definitely agree there should be more hot sex. There should be more hot sex. Um, I, the characters, again, I think this is... He's not comfortable writing gay characters. He's comfortable writing straight characters who happen to be gay. <laughs> like, look. Which is terrible. Um, also, the killer is... We, we know nothing about this killer. What is the motivation? He's really hot. We do know that. Because yeah. he wears a mask and he has a six-pack. He's dressed as like a devil kind of in latex kind of thing. Yeah. So there's nothing else going for the killer. And so I don't know what I'm supposed to get from this film other than to feel like representation. Well, I feel like that was literally the calling card of the film. It's like, let's make a gay slasher film. Yeah. Great. That hasn't been done before. Here's a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know? I do feel like this sort of premise was done a little bit better recently. If anyone watches... Um, the Hulu series Into the Dark, there is a an episode called Midnight Kiss that just came out in January. It takes place on New Year's Eve. And it's very similar to Hellbent, only it feels a lot more authentic. Like, the way that the characters are portrayed is a lot more authentic. You can tell that the um, queerness isn't being evaded by the writers. Um, so maybe check that Future out. Future episode? Future maybe, episode? yeah. Midnight Kiss, here we come. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't. I can criticize this, and I will continue to criticize this this film. Four hours later. Um, but to be honest, I don't think we've really had it yet. We haven't really had a good gay slasher film, with the exception of Cruising, um, which is its own kind of subgenre. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a slasher, but yeah, Cruising is definitely eons above this in like every way. Similar the right term, word. Eons. 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 Um, similar <laughs> with Knife Plus Heart, which was a recent uh, French giallo um, Knife and Heart film. was definitely much better than this as well. Um, but again, I don't know if that was... That wasn't quite slasher. That was very much like a giallo horror. It was, but I appreciated it very much, so thank you very much. Another future this. episode. Yes. Yes. I'm ready. Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sinister Sissies. Uh, And you can also follow me on Twitter at Jared Bartle. That's Jared with a Y. If you feel like it, please consider contributing to the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash sinistersissies. It would really help out the show. Also, because Jared's so desperate for a date, if you're interested in dating Jared and getting his attention, the Patreon would be a great place to start. Pay me for it. I'm not going to do it for free. Yeah, that works. You know, we're we're struggling here. Uh... I may cut that out, I might not, I don't know. Um, Sam doesn't believe in social media, so if you want to pass any messages to him, please DM me. And until next time, stay sinister. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrædder af alle de der podcasts og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.